welcome back to Random Chatter. See, I almost said Echo Base there. Lou would have gotten it right, but Lou has ditched us for the night, so it is just Tim and I. Tim, how you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of pressure because I have to represent the entirety of Team Bald Guy. But, that is true. Uh, I, I think I can do it. I can do All it. All right. We will get you I'm through it somehow. I am, I'm Eric, of course, and we are here to bring you this week's news, which uh, there's quite a bit of stuff. Wonder Woman 84 might be coming to streaming just a couple of weeks after its Christmas release. Or it might not get released until the summer. We don't know. Warner Brothers doesn't know. That's the funny thing. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about... Um, Oh, various different uh, cancellations, renewals, some reboots. Uh, Disney's talking about their streaming success. And then David Fincher is uh, (laughs) talking about. Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes. I've got some things to say about that. But uh, but first, do I right? (laughs) Yeah, that one's going to be fun. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about uh, Wonder Woman 84. This is something that we've been discussing both individually and as part of a group of larger releases ever since the beginning mm-hmm. of this calendar year, really, is uh, what's going on with theatrical releases in the middle of a pandemic, because we've got international concerns and we have local concerns here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, the U.S., not the greatest track record right now with uh, how the virus has been handled. Um, but we're number one, Eric. We are, we are definitely number one. Um, when I talk to people in other countries and not third world countries either, like first world countries, and I give mm-hmm. them numbers about, um, about just one state. And the number of new cases they have in that one state for that day, they're like, wow, we haven't even had that many deaths in our country since the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, we had that many new cases yesterday in one mm-hmm. state in, in our country. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's a little embarrassing to talk to people from other countries and, and they're like, what's going on over there? Like you guys are high tech, right? And and you guys have medical technology and and. Yeah, if if we can make true. this work and all of our other neighboring countries can make this work, what's going on with you guys? So it's been weird and it's obviously been directly affecting the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, we've seen Tenet kind of not do that well at the box office. I mean, all things considered, it did OK, but it did not do what it had hoped to do. Yeah. And look, um, here's here's the thing. We're. Obviously, come Christmas time, we're not going to be out of this thing. No. And in fact, the numbers are going to be. We're more likely to be more locked down than than we have been over the fall. Yeah. While next summer is going to be better, we're still not going to be out of it. But I think that's probably a better time frame where we can have a higher degree of confidence. We're going to have a lot of the vaccine we're presuming is going to be administered by then, not all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that things will be certainly in a better position than they are now. Yeah. That said, certainly understand that these studios are holding on to these massive blockbuster movies. Warner Brothers is uh, Marvel is, you know, there's a lot of them that are. And, you know, they're they're bleeding money right now because they're still trying to produce new stuff. Which is costing them money. In fact, it's costing them more money 
because of the, the production delays and the precautions and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that they're Actual having to go through. on-set production is more expensive because oh, you yeah. have to have um, additional resources. You have to have PPE. Mm-hmm. You've got to have um, medical people there to conduct testing. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. Yeah. So, I mean, if they want to do a premium pay-per-view thing, personally i'm not opposed to it if they want to do you know if they want to release like in for this for wonder woman if they want to release it around christmas and then a couple weeks later do a premium pay-per-view thing hey that's great because i know i'm gonna i'll end up watching on on a premium Mm pay-per-view um well i i mean disney is talking about the same thing they had a reasonably decent success with mulan they mentioned that last week on their um their their investor call. call. Yep. And next month they're having uh, a a much larger event and they're, they are, they've already set the stage to be talking about that more. So, and I mean, again, all the major studios are talking about this and the pros and cons of it. They know they're not going to make box office money on this. The other thing is, is that they maybe there's an opportunity here, I think to also flip the model because there's certain movies like this, which are going to sit there. We, they're going to look fantastic on the big screen. And I think people are still going to go watch these on the big screen if they liked it on the small screen. So if Wonder Woman 84 is an outstanding movie and I watch it on premium pay-per-view, once the the pandemic has reasonably cleared, if they're going to put it out in the theater, in the theater also next summer, you know what, maybe I'll go to the theater and and, and watch it then too. Well, And then that, that's a way for them to kind of recover some of the box office stuff, but it is also an additional investment as well. And so it's an it, additional it, it all risk depends what their costs are. Because yes, it's, an here's risk. the thing we're talking about Wonder Woman. Uh, yes, I would do that. If we are talking about. Uh, what's what's an example of. Um, of a movie that didn't do all that great, like if it's a kind of a crappy movie. It's not going to work out. You can't rely on that model of maybe people also going to hit the theater for the sake of seeing it on a big screen, because if the movie, like, let's say a lot of people didn't like Justice League. Okay, I actually didn't mind it that much. Yeah, it wasn't great and it had problems, but I was willing to accept it despite that. But a lot of people, if they watch Justice League at home, they're not going to go see it in the theaters. Yeah. And that was a major tentpole movie. And it did well at the theaters. Which made Warner Brothers happy, but. It didn't do as much as they thought and the, right. they, they thought it was going to have anyway. And then if you reverse that model, they're not going to have people show up at the box office to say, hey, let's watch this on the big screen. It was so good on the small screen. So you've yeah. got the risk of some people just won't do it anyway because they're like, I've already seen it and I just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then number two, it has to be an exceptionally good movie. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And and then the second thing is you've got they're in a lose lose position, right? If you release it on December 25th and and they, by the way, the current word from Warner Brothers is and from Patty Jenkins is we are absolutely doing a theatrical release, period. Good. First, not afterwards, like it's coming Mm -hmm. to theaters first. Right. Second, the release date as of right now, December 25th of this year. That has not yet changed. News from Variety is that they are considering one of two options. The current option is still a December 25th release. And then like two weeks later, it him hitting streaming mm. on HBO Max. 
That's right. a really, really narrow window. The idea is they can get a little bit of money at the box office and then recoup a lot of the loss through, I assume, a purchase thing like Mulan did. They weren't really clear about the expectation there, but mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to pick it up through video on demand or, or streaming. The other alternative is waiting until the summer of 2020 for a bigger theatrical release under the presumption that theaters will be open then. And if they release it on December 25th, keep in mind, L.A. is going to be closed. Right. New York City is going to be closed. I imagine Chicago closed, Baltimore probably closed, and I could go on and on and on with a bunch of other major cities around the country. The vast majority are not going to be able to see the movie even if they want to, and especially not L.A. and New York, and that those are major population centers. That's exactly. a major cut of their profits, and that's not even counting other countries. So I... I don't know. They're, they're kind of in a lose-lose situation because like you pointed out, they rely on that money to make more movies and they're trying to get production ramped up for new projects as soon as they're able to. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, if you're not bringing any money in, you can't send any money out. Right. So what do you do? And what is exactly. the theater industry going to look like next summer? If, um, I mean, that, that's kind of a separate issue, but if we don't get any new releases until the summer, the theater industry might not survive that long. But then if we get things released anyway, but people can't go see it, the theater industry might not survive that long. So either way, they're also in a separate sinking ship. True. It's a mess. Yep. And what no, do you do? it absolutely is. Now, I, I know you work in emergency management, and, and so your mm-hmm. opinions are skewed very much toward public safety and um, taking steps toward mitigating or eliminating this pandemic as quickly and as efficiently and as thoroughly as possible. And I think that should be people's priority. But what would you do if you were Warner Brothers? Would you release it for Christmas to whatever theaters are open in limited areas and then do video on demand immediately afterwards? Or would you wait until the summer and do it theatrically and then just not have any revenue coming in. You know, the the thing is, is that they're just going to get such limited revenue putting it out in theaters now. Mm -hmm. So from a business perspective, I mean, sure, they can say some is better than none. um, But there is also a cost to distribution as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they have to do an uptick in marketing and that kind of all these traditional things that go along with it that still aren't going to go away. Um, so I don't think that their income is going to be that high. In fact, it could be even pretty darn close to flat. Yeah. Especially uh, if they have limited, in, I mean, what 4,000 theaters screens is kind of average for like a, a bigger movie. And if they can only get in yeah. on a thousand or maybe 800 or something. Exactly. That's like independent level movie distribution. And yet, like you said, they're going to have to fork out tentpole level uh, marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a big issue for them. Um, uh, You know, I, I just don't know that it's worth it. And I, I mean, they, they still have to make money. And even though I think that we're going to see, 
some long-term changes to how movies are distributed. We're in that painful transition process right now. Yeah. Um, you know, our movie's going to get back to making these gazillions of dollars that they have been making, particularly the last few years. I, I don't know. It's certainly not question. through streaming services, but still through streaming services. Again, that's where they can get something. Their distribution costs are probably lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at something like Wonder Woman 84, it's Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers can distribute through HBO Max. Mm-hmm. When you have something that's Disney, they can distribute through Disney+. Plus. And, you know, they already have a model for it with Mulan where they can do this premium thing. They own the distribution. So their distribution, right. their actual distribution cost is 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 minimal. I mean, they're totally putting it minimal. on, they're loading it onto a server. And then really it's yeah. making sure that the load balancing on the server can keep up with mm-hmm. the immediate demand, especially on, on launch. That's it. That's yeah. your distribution cost. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, the, there's still, there's still advertising. Yeah. Yeah. No matter there's what. Still marketing. But um, to your point though, a couple of years ago, we were talking about this um, same day home release where you would pay like $50 for a ticket and you'd have like a special set top box. And there were people in the industry who were really, really promoting that. Mm-hmm. That was before Disney plus and HBO max were even being talked oh, about. Yeah, totally. Before the pandemic, there were people in the industry who felt like this was a viable business model. Now there were, to be fair, there were people who insisted it was not, but for there to be that much movement about it, I have to think that now it's definitely a good enough model that they could do things like Mulan. I'm kind of surprised. I'm like, I I get the stubbornness. I understand it that they want it to be in theaters. Dang it. Like there's a kind of an art form approach to Mm -hmm. movies and you don't want to lose that. And I understand that artistic approach, but it is also a business. Yeah. And if you want to keep, making the art of films like that's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. So I, I guess my advice to Warner brothers would be to just do the, the Mulan route. It seemed to be successful for Disney. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember when the numbers came back a few weeks ago, they seemed to be pretty good. I mean, they, they took a hit because, and this is talked about in the Disney um, earnings call. They took a hit because of some of the controversy um, about what was going on with the uh, the Mulan film with the actress and and the issue with the credits and et cetera. And the location where they filled filmed it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, So. But even then, it seemed to be successful from a business model point of view. Why isn't HBO doing this? Like, I, I get it, but just suck it up. And say, yeah, we tried. We wanted to bring it to the theaters for you and it didn't work out. So we're going to bring it to you this way instead. If it's 30 bucks a ticket, people are going to see it. I mean, the first one was, and that's the other thing too. This isn't something like Tenant where it's like iffy. 
You know, mm-hmm. is it going to work? Is it going to go over people's heads? Is it too long, et cetera? This is Wonder Woman Part 2. The first one was really well liked. In fact, it was the best liked of any of the DC films. Right. You know, this one is going to do well. People are clamoring for it. It's low risk as far as gauging the interest level. Yeah. So it seems like this is a no brainer. Charge people $30 a piece. And and get it out there and let people see it. Well, and the other thing is you have things right now that are on streaming services that are basically the same cost as a movie. You're looking at something mm-hmm. production quality like The Mandalorian, like what we're expecting out of uh, WandaVision and the other MCU shows. These are multiple episodes. Mm-hmm. They're using uh, high-end actors, high-end directors, yeah, high-end effects all that kind of stuff. So you're getting movie production quality stuff that is going up not for free because these are still subscription services. Right. But viewers aren't paying individual tickets to watch it. Right. You know, I'm subscribing to Disney Plus for whatever it is, $4.99 or $5.99, mm-hmm. and I can watch The Mandalorian as many freaking times as I want to. Yep. Uh, and I still pay that same cost every month and I can watch a whole bunch of other things on there too. Yeah. Now, of course their model is we put out good stuff on this platform. We're going to get more subscribers and that's how we're going to make more money. Yeah. Okay. And I still have no problem with them doing some premium level stuff where I would pay more for it. That, that Mm -hmm. doesn't really bother me. Um, whether it's basically to see it sooner or something. I mean, I, I don't want them doing that with everything, but I think that there is, there's some opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, now compare that to someone doing a film and then basically saying, okay, how are we going to recoup costs with that? Now, again, on the Disney side, Disney owns their platform. Mm-hmm. A lot of other places would be having to pay for distribution so that model, the, 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 the equity of that model may not work out so well for them. So, so, you know, I don't know. If you look at the big studios, we've got Disney, which now also owns Fox and Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. You've got Warner Brothers, um, which would, as you said, go through HBO Max. You've got Peacock, which would be anything produced by NBC. Who does Paramount fall under? Uh, and all the Star Trek stuff's on CBS All Access. Is that officially linked with Paramount as a company, though, or is that just because they licensed the Star Trek stuff? I think they just license it to them. I okay. don't think that's there's any like permanent contract there. We don't have a home for Universal, do we? No. Okay. So I'm I'm trying to think through these different studios and stuff, and then you've got the smaller stuff like Blumhouse, Lionsgate. Things like that. Um, who are they going to go through? So, yeah, you'd have to to work something out. But I'm I'm sure if you went to HBO and said, listen, um, we're Blumhouse. We want to release this this bigger movie of ours and we want you to charge people twenty dollars for early access to it. But then we will also license you to be the exclusive streamer of it for 12 months. You know, after that release window is open. Right. So they, they both get something out of it. HBO gets the exclusive streaming rights once it's no longer a pay-per-view. And then Blumhouse gets a distributor. 
So I, I uh, still think that there's in the chat here on our live stream on YouTube, uh, the textical says that CBS All Access is rumored to be uh, renamed Paramount Plus. So apparently there oh, is got the a, old chat uh, a, group. a direct relationship there. So I need to open the new chat window. I've still got the one from the previous stream. OK, so. So I guess the point is there are, you know, these production studios have different distribution options and the ones that don't have anything yeah. built in could still make something work by piggybacking on someone else's and um, just working something out. Hey, you do my stuff for you and then I'll let you have the movie for a while. Mm-hmm. I still think it's doable. And you know what? Even if they they'd also talked for a while about the model of making like Star Wars movies, 20 or 30 bucks a ticket, but then making something like uh, a quiet place, which was an independent film, you know, five bucks. So right. this is a model where you could do that. You can make Mulan $30. You can make Wonder Woman 84 $30. And you mm-hmm. could do something like uh, Save Yourselves that came out recently and make that like uh, a four ninety nine thing, like the equivalent of the price of a rental. But you can watch it as many times as you want. Yeah. Up until the point where, you know, it then becomes free to everybody. So you're. You're basically paying the same amount you would for rental, just allow you to purchase it at that point and then don't restrict how many times you can watch it on the rental. Yeah. And just have that be like, because that's what they did with Mulan. You pay that $30, but then you own it. Own, yeah, you know, you, own with yeah, air you quotes. Had per, yeah, you had access perpetually. Right. Until it became free, which is going to happen, I think, next month. Right. Now, with uh, with uh, Invisible Man, which, of course, happened very, very early on in the pandemic. So, I mean, right. it was just kind of a, hey, let's try something. It was 20 bucks. Uh, it was basically like kind of your average rental. Right. Although I think they gave it to you for longer, maybe like uh, three I, days or something. Yeah, I think it was just the two days, which is standard. Okay. Yeah. 20 bucks uh, was absolutely worth it. I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed it. It was a great movie. I would pay that for most movies that I'm very interested in seeing. And unless you're going to see a movie solo, the two of you are paying 20 bucks anyway. For two movie tickets. Exactly. And I can pause it when I need to. I, I can pause it when I want to go to the bathroom. I can get snacks, you know, in my own house for a heck of a lot cheaper than a, mm-hmm. than a concession stand. More comfortable seat. You can throw popcorn at people without getting kicked out. Well, no. Well, yeah. Yeah. But Careful still. There. Yeah. Uh, so it, I think that yeah. there are ways to take advantage of this model. And I, I think that maybe this earnings call from Disney, hopefully... Like, I don't know, maybe be a wake up call. Like, I'm a little surprised that some of these other, um, especially HBO Max, honestly, like they're the other ones. It's like, dude, step up. Yeah, you can do this and actually make money from it. We would be happy because we are desperate for new content. Mm -hmm. And for the 10 polls, I'll pay $30 a ticket. And for the independent stuff, you know, so what's the one with uh, Ryan Reynolds? Um Free guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's not like a major blockbuster hit, but, you know, it's got Ryan Reynolds in it and, and stuff. So instead of like a four ninety nine rental, you know, I'll pay 10 bucks on top of the subscription to what, let's say it's through Warner Brothers. I don't know who the distribution sure. studio, the production studio is. But for example, I'm, I'm already paying for HBO Max. I'll give mm-hmm. you another 10 bucks. 
to let me have access to it now and instead of when it finally drops. Right. Yep. Easily. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't even think uh, about it. It would just be an but, automatic thing. Like we're so desperate for content. And if it's oh, going to yeah. be comparable to what we would pay anyway in the theaters, and I don't mind paying a premium for like the big stuff. Mm-hmm. If you give me a discount on the independent stuff and boom, there you go. Now you can start doing that for the vast majority of films that would otherwise be coming out. Yeah. And then you can get back to making more films to have come out. I mean, plus it's also going to up their subscriptions. So when they're doing it through established streaming services like that, well, it's like, wow, if something comes out on HBO max that I really want to see and I don't have HBO max, that's going to make me really consider getting it. So yeah, you know what? Maybe I will subscribe Yeah, because I know there is a lot of good stuff on HBO max that I'll otherwise watch. So, you know, maybe I get it. And even if I only have it for a few months, that's uh, uh, some, you know, money that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me. That's also, you know, gazillions of other people who are doing it. Some people are going to cancel after the first month. Other people are going to hang on for a few months. You're going to get a good amount of people. They're going to hang on for a year or even longer. And if you look at the money, that's all good stuff that um, again, from the Disney earnings call, the amount of money that they're making now from the streaming service, Mm -hmm. getting that additional uh, additional subscription that's also a big thing. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of like Netflix, they're paying for their movies just with the price of the subscription model. Oh, totally. Yeah. They're not doing the Mulan thing where you have to pay to get access to pay the $30. Right. To get Mulan. So again, that business model, it seems like a no brainer to me. I'm a little surprised that HBO hasn't done anything with it and maybe they will. Maybe they're just sitting on the announcement for now. I don't know. But I tell you what, if you did that in $30 per person and have it released on Christmas day and people can't go out on Christmas day, Christmas day, December 25th in the United States is the biggest um, box office day of the year. Mm -hmm. It always has been. You're losing that. Now people can't go out. If you released something where you had to pay, even the people would be, I don't know if I want to pay $30 for it on Christmas day when you've got your whole family there and everybody wants to see it. Yeah. You're dropping the 30 bucks. You're dropping the 40 bucks. This year, like February 7th is going to have a, you know, better box office than Christmas. Right. So literally. Yeah. So I don't know. know, folks, there is nothing special about February 7th except it was pre pandemic. Uh So yeah, (laughs) that's, that's all. That's so tech here in the, the chat room, nobody wants to go to the theater and nobody wants the theaters to go away. And I agree with that, but I would absolutely pay to see, for example, Wonder Woman 84 and the new James Bond at home when things mm-hmm. become normal, abandon that model and we all go back. Yeah. So, and that's the I, other I thing agree. when things do get back to normal and they will someday, if the theater industry survives or can be rebuilt, then either abandon this model or if you have to tweak it a little bit, that's okay too. Yeah. I think that their concern is not making enough money because obviously they're fixated on what would we have made if we were in the box office in a normal year versus what they think the potential is on a premium pay-per-view kind of thing. And they're going to say, well, crap, we're only making a fraction of it. So right now, let's wait X number of months and bleed money. Or we're going to release it in a month when the pandemic is arguably at its height and 
we're probably going to spend more money marketing than we're actually going to make in the box office. I, it's it just, it's all, I, I understand that there are no easy decisions with it. Uh, but they have to, I mean, it's kind of the, you have to crap or get off the pot. That's really what it comes down to. Like they have to make a decision and I understand it's a tough decision. And I understand that probably they're screwed no matter what the, what decision they make. Their shareholders are going to be critical when they mm -hmm. see the numbers coming out of it. Their bosses are going to be critical when they see the numbers coming out of it. The public is going to be critical of it. But the shareholders already have can't a be opinion. too happy. I mean, listen, if you've got a, a houseboat full of cash, it's great to keep all your cash on the houseboat because it's safe there. But once the boat starts sinking, you need to take some of that cash to pay to repair the boat. True. So, you know, if you're sitting on this, this property, this gold mine, and yeah, you could make a lot more money from it in a normal year if theatrical releases. But let me tell you, 2021 is not going to be a normal year either. By the end of the year, it Ew. might be closer to normal. But yep. the first half is still going to be pretty bare and the theaters mm -hmm. have not recovered. And we don't know what what the theater model is going to look like, a little on, you know, the film industry. What about the actual theater industry? Where are you going to go to see these things? We don't know what's going to be around in August. They can start releasing movies in June. The pandemic can disappear in July, August or September. That doesn't mean that these theaters are still going to be in business. Right. We've had a couple local here close permanently, not coming back mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Um, and they may very well reopen under new ownership or something but obviously Maybe. all that stuff is going to take time i, I mean I've, we will eventually get back to theaters and theaters being up and running and and that kind of stuff sure but how many and, decades and are they going to hold on to wonder woman for exactly exactly I, I i think that i mean quite honestly i i think that if they put stuff out premium pay-per-view now and then especially for those those bigger movies do a theatrical release later on whether it's six, eight, ten months from now, I think that's probably where they stand to make the most amount, amount of money. Yeah. People are going to watch it now. They're going to pay for it. They really like it. And they say, you know what? I would love to see that on the big screen. They're going to pay for it a second time. Yeah. If they didn't like it, well, guess what? The theater's still making 20, 30 bucks off of folks. It's better than nothing. I, uh, I you, you're, you're, you're at least able to slow the bleeding. Yeah. My my opinion is that whoever figures out that they need to release a major tentpole on Christmas Day on video on demand for 30, and I hate to say it, but 30 to $40. I don't want to pay 40. I'd rather pay 30. But again, as a business model, people would pay 40 if it's on Christmas and they've got their whole yeah. family there and people can't go out and do anything else and they want to see Wonder Woman or James Bond or whatever it is. Whoever mm -hmm. jumps on that, that opportunity, they're going to make bank. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. If, 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 if it is something of that extent, uh, mm -hmm. of, of that magnitude, like those movies, yeah, I, I would probably, 40's a little steep. It is. I, I'd be happier with 30, but. But on Christmas Day, know, when these are all sitting mega around, blockbusters. Yeah. And especially if there's kids involved, because mom, come on, I'll give you the $10 later. I promise. Take it out of my allowance mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, it's it's going to be one of those things where people are going to throw in the towel because they're exhausted with the holidays or whatever. Or or likewise, you have 
kids, teenagers, whomever. You can't travel to go see family. Mm-hmm. You're stuck at home for Christmas and you need something to do. Like you need something to make it different. You've got Christmas morning and whatever you do. And then what do you do in the afternoon or the evening? And you want there to be something of, of, you know, of note. Yeah. Yeah. I can yep. see it working. I don't know. That's my opinion. So moving on. Um, and I guess we, we kind of covered some of the other news items there too. A quick thing about Apple plus streaming. We mentioned this on the last episode of random chatter on a review show on episode 303 Apple TV plus. If you bought an Apple device and they started this last year when the iPhone 11 came out, you get a year. That's not coming over my microphone. It isn't, is it? It sounds like the house is about to blow down here. Yes. I'm hearing a little bit of it. Yeah. Really? Like that's, and I'm on a condenser mic too. So that it, with a noise gate, that's impressive. Oh, that's, that's wind. That's wind. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> if the wall implodes and you see trees and branches going across my screen here, wow, that's going to make for a viral clip, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you got uh, 12 months free of Apple TV Plus, And what they did is they decided to extend it for another three months. And this goes back to what we were saying before about they want people to stay on their subscription service and get addicted to it because then they'll stay with it and they won't leave. They decided that to be fair for the people who hopped on board later and have been paying for it, they are now crediting your iTunes account with the $4.99 that you were paying for Apple TV for November. I think it's November, December, and January. So if you're paying the $4.99, you're going to get the $4.99 back as an iTunes credit. Hmm. Which, wow. I mean, that's, they didn't have to do that. Right, right. And I haven't heard a big uproar on, on social media or anything about the lack of them doing that. So, I mean, that's earning them some brownie points, I think. And there are some good shows on it. Like I finally start all of their shows. I watch the trailers and I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. But then every time I watch one of them, I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. Right. Yeah. So I'm finally watching the morning show, which is really good. Um, I watched mythic quest, which I love. Yeah. They've got some good stuff, but so anyway, keep that in mind. If you wanted to try out Apple TV plus, this might be a good time to do it. It's not the same as a free trial, but. You know, it's it's close. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good deal. Um, So before we get to the David Fincher thing, a couple of uh, remake, reboot, reboot, remake, depending on which term you like to use. Uh, a couple of things here. The Home Alone reboot. Christopher Columbus said that uh, he believes the Disney Plus reboot will be a waste of time. Now, I didn't read this article. Oh, it's it's. Uh... Is it pretty so, scathing? It, it, it is. I mean, he does. He starts off the interview. Now, first of all, this isn't the Explorer. Uh, this is the, the, the director who did uh, the first Home Alone movies uh, the first time around and, and a lot of other stuff. Fantastic director. Yeah, yeah. He is kind of clearly bitter that like no one approached him on anything. For this. Yeah, he's not unbiased. Right, right. So, yeah, he's not unbiased about this. The thing is, I mean, a lot of credit of the success, I think, to these movies, uh, especially the first one, you know, goes to him. 
you know, he, yep. he was, he was arguably, you know, an important part of that formula. And that first home alone movie, it's a classic. I mean, it has become a Christmas classic. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, it, and actually you can go watch it on Disney plus. Now it, it is now a permanent fixture on Disney plus. Oh, good. Um, so the thing's getting rebooted and it's one of those things like some movies I'm, I'm cool with rebooting other movies. I'm not, this is a movie that I think it's an established classic. It is perfect the way it is. Really nothing needs fundamentally to be changed about it. So why redo it? I, so he went on to say, basically it shows a huge lack of imagination and originality. He fully thinks it's going to bomb. He said, there's no point recreating something that's already become a classic. They're not going to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle again. Mm-hmm. I agree. So he's just, he, he is not happy with it all. And he thinks it's a mistake. I'm largely inclined to agree with him. So, I mean, what they're going to do is they're going to make this, they're going to put it up on Disney plus. Yes. It's probably going to engage a, new generation of viewers, I guess, who might watch the original and kind of find it to be a little bit dated. You know, clothing styles, vehicles, etc. Yeah, but whatever. We haven't remade uh, Casablanca. We haven't remade Gone with the Wind. We haven't remade, you know, just because it's old doesn't mean that. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, so, but some people may. And then they, you know, they may end up appreciating the remake but I have to, I'm inclined to agree with them. I think it's really hard to, you know, if it was easy to make blockbusters and classics, everyone would be doing it. They got the formula right with the first home alone movie. Very obviously. Can they recreate that? Chances are pretty slim that they can do it. Um, he also did go on to talk about home alone Two, which he also directed. And, uh, and we're not making any political statements here. He mentioned that uh, so they filmed a lot of it in the um, the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, which is owned by Donald Trump. And he said, uh, apparently in the negotiation that Trump said the only way that filmmakers could use the Plaza Hotel is if he were actually in the film. So that's that surprises me this up, much. Yeah. So that's how he actually ended up in the film. They didn't cast him. They didn't seek him out. They wanted you that location, the location's owned by him. He said, yes, you can use it if I'm in the movie. So, you know, that's wow. that's that for whatever that is worth. So, by the way. Um, tech in, in the chat room, you are now grounded from getting any more shout outs for the rest of the episode. <laughs> hey, they rebooted a new hope and the Force Awakens did really well. You know, you know, do you are you aware of how many home loan movies there have been? Like four or five, five. I think. I, I'm pretty certain it's five. Which As my son repeatedly nuts. likes to point out to me because he's seen all of them. Um I don't think I've seen past the second one. I yeah, I don't think I have either. There's something about slapstick comedy that it only works when it's unexpected. Yeah, yeah. As soon when as it becomes the, a pattern. Then it's, yeah, you don't care. Yeah. It only works when it's clever and things are typically only clever when they're unexpected. And if you're remaking Home Alone, so much of the movie is already expected. 
it would be such a hurdle to modernize it and make it something inherently different. Right. And then the more different you make it, is it really going to do any honor to the first one? I just think this is a horrible, horrible, horrible idea. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I just, I have so many bad things to say about this. There's another Disney plus remake that's coming. Um, and I only just heard about this today, but John Chu, who I'm not familiar with is in talks to do a live action remake of Lilo and stitch. Okay. I've already been pretty vocal against the Disney live action remakes of the animated properties. Mm-hmm. Some have been okay. Most in my personal opinion have not. And Lilo and stitch is such a beloved, almost a cult classic. Like it's not one of those Disney princess movies. And yet it has such a ridiculous fan following. Yeah. That's so massive that I really it's also not that old. It's not. Why would you remake something that is that recent? That just seems really odd to me. That's like. Yeah, it's not like redoing Jungle Book. Right. I don't get it. Like, I get the fact that it would give them kind of a sci fi type of property to it, but. It it's so dangerous as far as uh, fan backlash and stuff. And what are you gaining from it? Really? I mean, I guess money. Yeah. You, you get to kind of rebrand it. Like you, you get that brand refresh. Yeah. But man, Which I'm sure if that backfires. I, I'm sure that they also see increases in sales on the original things when they're rebooting them. To to some extent, and that's of course if it's out of the vault or whatever the heck Disney is doing now with allowing yeah. their movies to 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 be out there or not out there, or whatever. I'm sure they're seeing some extent of that, so they do get a, a little bit of a bump, which is great to see from a movie that was made in the 30s. That oh wow, holy crap, it suddenly made right. two hundred thousand dollars this year. Oh hey, that's cool because last year it made seven. Uh, yeah. Now, David in the chat room is pointing out Lilo and Stitch is 18 years old, which especially to our listeners in the, their 20s seems like a long time. But we're <clears> talking <throat> things like Cinderella, Jungle Book, um, even the more recent ones like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid were. What, in the 90s or something? I mean, they're 30 some years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um I I don't know. Like Stitch is a real popular yeah. character and they can merchandise the heck out of that guy. I, and they have. Um, I have a Stitch Yoda action figure. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He's he's just he's easy to market. So I'm sure they're going to make mm-hmm. like a billion dollars from it. Yeah. Um, from an artistic point of view, though, I just ugh, I'm I'm so not looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Tell me about this uh, David Fincher thing. All right. So uh, David Fincher, and if you're not familiar with the name, David Fincher, director, uh, producer, he has done films like uh, Seven, Zodiac, Fight Club, a bunch of others. Uh, he was he did an interview with The Telegraph 
And so there were a couple of things that, that came out of this. One, he was slamming a lot of studios for, for not taking enough risks, uh, particularly the, the big studios saying that the things that they were doing were too safe. They were basically just recycling stuff. Uh, kind of some echoes of like what Chris Columbus was specifically saying about, um, about Home Alone, that you know, you're, you're basically just doing the same stuff over and again, lack of, of, of imagination, lack of originality, et cetera. He did specifically come out and cite Joker, which I thought was an interesting play for him. Okay. Saying that uh, Joker was quote, a betrayal of the mentally ill. Um, a betrayal. How? Nothing in the interview really went into that depth, but like he, it, it was strange that he specifically called it out. And, and obviously mental illness is a uh, big foundation of the movie. Mm -hmm. But we also have to understand that it's a movie and every quite honestly, darn near every movie is a caricature to some extent. They, they will take some element and, and amplify it. Right. Because that's what make they they need something to grab the audience with. They have to get something for the audience to to um, just to really glom onto. Even if it's a romance story, you know most romances aren't to such an extent, and so they're they're they amplify that in the stories and all the drama and stuff. So he's he really grabbed onto that. And yes, there were some criticisms of Joker saying, well. It's not a good reflection of mental illness. It was never intended to be a quote, right. good reflection of mental illness. It was a it movie wasn't called about DSM someone five, who, a documentary. Ex exactly, exactly. And, you know, and I, I saw Joker. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was a good movie. And I thought it was a to me, that was definitely not a safe movie. I thought that was a very no. risky movie for the yeah. studio to do. It was very different. And it also paid so. off. Yeah. Yeah. It paid off. Joker is the highest grossing R rated movie of all time. But David Fincher, I'm sure, would argue that money doesn't matter. Uh, probably. And kind of easy for someone who's made a lot of money from movies to say that well, sort of thing. But but he but, he has always tried to be challenging and, and stuff, to be fair. He's yeah. not being a hypocrite about that. Except, yeah, Joker was the last thing that you would call a safe movie that yeah. was, and we talked about that extensively before it came out, after it came out. Um, I yeah. was not a fan of the movie, but I respect that it was well-crafted and yeah. it definitely wasn't some cookie cutter safe thing mm -hmm. for the studio to do. It was yeah. crazy risky. And, 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 you know, to, to his credit, he definitely, he generally does not do safe movies either. Things right. like seven Zodiac fight club, they were all very uh, different and, and inventive and, and that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. And interestingly enough, each one of them had aspects of mental illness, whether as a central theme or something that was a little bit more subtle. Uh -huh. uh, and even if it was subtle, it was still played up. So I don't, I still don't understand this whole betrayal of the mentally ill comment that he's making when arguably fight club was an entire mental trip. Yeah. I, I was going to say of any of those, know, the one that comes on. to mind fight club compared to Joker, like at least with 
Joker, it was very much about you weren't supposed to be rooting for this guy. And right. the guy obviously had problems and the system failed him. Like there was a there was some commentary about mental health in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whether there should have been more or not, whether it was the right commentary or not, th- those are all kinds of discussions we can have for a different time. But y- it was clear that there was intent yeah. for a conversation about mental health and, and mm-hmm. how the system was set up to let pop, uh, people fall through the cracks. Yeah. Fight Club was not in any way, from what I can tell, and I, I'm a fan of the movie. I've seen it many, many oh, times. Oh, so am I. So am I. In fact, we shouldn't not- even be talking about it. Well, no, that's true. That is the second rule. I forget what the first rule is. Yeah. Um, but it was <laughs> not at all about having conversations about mental health. It, and it took advantage of the main character's mental health as a way to sensationalize everything that mm-hmm. happened in the film. Like it, it was yeah. that that was the plot twist. That was the hook. That was the gotcha moment. And, and every other significant character in the movie, it. even if, even if they didn't actually exist, they all had mental health issues of their own. Right. So it was the like exploitation this big, of mental health in Fight Club makes yeah. it so that it's really hard to point the finger at anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, and again, that said, if you're expecting an accurate betrayal of 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 mental illness. Or of anything, portrayal, portrayal. Oh, okay, uh, of mental illness or anything else for that matter. Go watch a documentary. Because if you're watching something that is fiction, then you're not going to get a fair portrayal of anything. It's going to be amplified. It's right. going to be distorted. It's going to be caricatured. That's what the entertainment business is about. So people really, honestly, need to stop complaining about this. Oh my gosh, they're exploiting this. They're misportraying that they're giving this group a bad name or that group a bad name. It's fiction. I'm a tech guy. Do you really want to spend six hours with me going over every movie in Hollywood to get hacking wrong? Exactly. Exactly. No, because it's freaking fiction. But yeah, you want to talk about all the disaster movies and I can tell you right there. One and a half percent of every disaster movie is the only correct part of it. Right. The other ninety eight and a half percent is all crap. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, it might be entertaining. It's factually crap. That's and what that's it's fine. meant for is to be entertaining. That is the point. It is yes. not supposed to be anything else. If it can if it can exactly. cause you to ask questions. That's good. That's fine. And that goes beyond entertainment. But you don't then go back to the movie to find the answers. Mm hmm. You right. ask the questions as you're leaving the theater and then you go like, I mean, I hate to say it, but Google it or preferably look it up in you know medical journals or professional publications or yeah. whatever, whatever the relevant context is. Mm-hmm. You don't go back to the film for the answers. Yeah. At yep. best, the film causes you to question the world around you, but then you go back out into the world around you and discover and explore and investigate. Yeah. We, 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 we've had, um, so listeners probably know that we've interviewed, uh, James Rollins, mm-hmm. a favorite author of mine and my wife's. Um, and we've had him on random chatter a couple times. His books are fiction. Uh, but he is a, by trade, he's a veterinarian. So he has a science mind. 
very curious mind. He travels a lot. He absorbs a lot of things. A lot of the foundational stuff that he puts in his books at least has a root in fact. He does an addendum to every single one of his novels that says that, hey, in this novel, I talked about this virus. Mm -hmm. Here's the actual fact associated with the virus. And I changed these couple of things because I needed to make it more interesting for the story. Right. And if you, but if you want to learn more and he'll cite two or three sources, yep. like he's really, really good about that. Douglas E. Um, Richards does the same thing with his uh, techno thrillers at, at the yep. end. There's like a large section where he does that exact same thing. And I love it. And I find it fascinating. I actually read through all those end notes that he puts mm -hmm. in the book because it's like, oh, this was real. This isn't real. This is real, but he twisted it. Right. I'm totally okay with that. I'm freaking entertained. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters in the end. Right. You know? All right. Well, let's move on to the lightning round. Um, we have a, a few things to whip through here. We'll probably have some comments on some of them, and then we are going to end the episode. Uh, by the way, there's a request to have you on as a guest on Movie Chatter to discuss what that 1% is that's correct in different disaster movies. Totally. Absolutely. So Let's we, do it. we will have to work that out maybe after the beginning of the year. Yeah. We, we've kind of got stuff decked out, I think probably through the end of the year, plus the holiday films and stuff, but maybe uh, we'll start the beginning of uh, what is hopefully a non-disaster filled year off with some truth about the fiction. Yeah. All right. And I'll even tell people in that episode what my favorite disaster movie is. If it's the one I'm thinking of, there are going to be words. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> offline. All right, the lightning round. Here we go. So we talked about streaming services. A lot of people don't know this, but right now there's a promotion going on in Fortnite. If you make in-app purchases with real money in Fortnite, then apparently you get uh, two free months of Disney+. Plus. Wow. You can uh, start redeeming that... Um, if not now, then I think uh, in about a week or so, any purchase made through November through the end of 2020 will qualify you for two free months of Disney Plus. Okay. HBO has canceled The Outsider, which I'm not that familiar with, and it's being shopped around to other networks. So if you're a fan of the show, there's hope. Netflix is renewing The Umbrella Academy for season three. Uh, which is good. Hopefully it'll be better than the second one. And uh, they're renewing Space Force for season two, though apparently they're having to take uh, a little bit of a different creative direction in it. They're bringing in some new writers and such. Um, we'll see how that goes. Fox has renewed season two of Lego Masters. And uh, Will Arnett's going to be returning. So that's good. I know you're a big fan of the it, show, Tim. Yeah, that's that's great news. Uh, we had folks on from the uh, from the first season, some of the contestants on, on yep. Random Cheddar last year and uh yeah the, the show is a lot of fun the show is a great show a lot of fun. like for a competition show i don't get into them that much um especially since most of them are, are cooking and baking and stuff and that's just not my thing but this was really good i was surprised yeah it was way better than it should have been yeah. wandavision is, uh is premiering on disney plus on january 15th i know you guys are going to be talking about that or have probably already in guardians of the mcu yeah um, we finally have a date real excited about that yes it's about time not as soon as we wanted but at least it's coming and we know when uh james gunn has confirmed sylvester stallone will be joining the suicide squad so that's interesting 
another reboot for Disney Plus, Darkwing Duck. Now, this is an animated reboot, much in the line of DuckTales. And in fact, this mm-hmm. is, they had kind of a, um, what do you call it? Like a sleeper pilot episode. Yeah. There's a term for it, but anyway, yeah, they, they had kind of a, a test run in the DuckTales series. So that's going to be coming to Disney Plus. Lego has released the Roman Coliseum, their largest ever Lego set at 9,000 pieces mm-hmm. and costing $9,000. <laughs> Crazy. Or, or $500. Oh, well, 500 US dollars. I was talking about that other country rubles yes uh the fresh prince of bel-air is doing a reunion episode people are probably already aware of that there's a trailer that's available and it will be coming not the trailer but the reunion special will be coming november 19th which is uh this week so um look for that soon Zack snyder of course is releasing the four hour long version of the justice league film that will have um Four minutes of newly filmed content. I don't understand this. And I I have been this whole release of Snyder cut thing from the get go has kind of been crap to me. I I've, I've never been a fan of, of the whole concept. And then all of a sudden they said, Oh, well there's going to be a Snyder cut, but it's not really the Snyder cut because he's going to completely remake things. And it's going to be four episodes instead of a movie and he's reshooting a bunch of stuff. Well, and he's going to use some footage that wasn't used. Now it's going to be four minutes. Are you freaking kidding me? Well, to be clear, because I've seen some confusion about this. There's going to be a lot of unused footage. Yeah. Yeah. His original be, footage. So he still. did the original footage. He left because um, sadly his daughter committed suicide. And, and so he left the production. Yes. Joss Whedon was brought in. Josh, Joss Whedon redid a bunch of stuff. Um. So what they're doing is they're going back to the Zack Snyder footage and there was a substantial amount of story difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're redoing that. He shot an additional four minutes to, I guess, flesh some things out. And that's it. They're not they're not like reshooting. People thought because this was being reported for a while that, oh, they're bringing this person back and that person back and. They're like they made it sound like they're practically reshooting half the movie or something. It's yeah. just four minutes. But yeah, it is going to be four hours long. Listen, I don't care that they're doing it. I thought the whole thing was kind of baloney from the beginning. Um, yeah. If the content's there. I would be interested in in that story because it sets up a larger universe for them to go forward in. And I am interested in that. But I wasn't one of these people up in arms about it and signing petitions or whatever. And I guess what bugs no. me the most about it in principle is now we're getting the release, the JJ cut of any of the Star Wars movies. And yeah. it's like, well, we got the the JJ Abrams cut. Abrams yeah. never left production and got replaced with someone else. Abrams was credited as one of the writers on the movie yeah. for episode nine, JJ Abrams and Chris Terrio. He was never not mm-hmm. involved in any of that. Like, that's just not a thing. You don't just go around and and get to magically suggest that we get new cuts for movies that didn't have alternate cuts just because you didn't like them. Yeah. Episode nine. Not a fan. Yeah. But there's not another cut of it. It it just. There isn't Greg Grunberg, childhood friend of Abrams. 
that, yeah, no, there's no such thing, guys. Let it go. Yeah, but, I, I don't I don't understand it. It uh... but this like I get it. At least this there was a crazy amount of extra footage that exists. I don't mind getting to see it, whether it's his bonus content, deleted scenes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. And if they want yeah, to drop the money I, for it, I mean, yeah, let them. We'll see what how it turns out. But like, it's it's not. And and just like the whole cycle around this thing has just been, like you said, it's been very confusing. That oh, they're bringing all these actors back in, right? And and you end up with four minutes of reshoots. Uh, really, I, and I understand also that a lot of the uh, the effects. I mean, usually when they don't use certain scenes and their special effects that would be in those scenes in the polished version, they mm-hmm. haven't finalized those. So yeah. they did have to go through a lot of time, money and effort mm-hmm. to do the effects for those scenes to make them viable. So there's a lot of investment there. I wonder how much money they're putting into this thing and are they really going to make it back? Yeah, I think they'll make it back. I, I get your point. But I I do think that they'll get it back. I think this is going to be a, a big thing for HBO Max. I think this will pull in new subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll make their money back from it. I, I mean, I certainly it, I don't want so, it. Even if nothing else, the, the backstory behind it's been so sensationalized and it's become such an Internet like True. blow up that yeah. that's half the battle right there is just getting attention focused on it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't want to see anything fail. I hope it's right. successful and I, and I hope it's good. I hope it's entertaining. I, I hope that people like it. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I, the thing is I'm not against it necessarily in concept. I've been against all the, the, the drama that's the been drama. surrounding yes, it. That's I'm just against been the drama. annoying and, and yeah, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of it is it's disappointing for me to see the sense of entitlement that people have getting rewarded. Mm. I'm interested yep. in seeing the movie and I like what I'm hearing about the storyline for it more than I like the storyline for what we got. Okay. Yep. I'm optimistic that the movie will be better. I think it is definitely better suited to creating a cinematic universe mm-hmm. and I want the DC cinematic universe to succeed. Yeah, okay. totally. I'm on board for these things. I dislike the fact that in order to get it, we had to let a bunch of self-entitled whiny fanboys yeah. blow up the internet and get their way. That's my problem. It, it, it's the sociological aspect of this, yeah. this sense of entitlement and ownership as a fan. Just because you're a fan of something doesn't mean you own it. I don't own Star Wars. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. I don't own any part of it. And I'll tell you, that's what bothered me around the whole bring back clone wars thing. And for as much as I love that they did do an additional season of clone wars. And I love the season that they did. I was really, I was actually kind of ticked off that they brought it back because there was all this fan pressure of bring back the clone wars. And like, there was this, a lot of our listeners know about how divisive the fricking star Wars fandom is there was this group within the star Wars fandom that was like really annoying and trolling people for years about this whole bring back the clone wars thing. Like that was their biggest thing. And they wouldn't, 
they wouldn't engage in anything else and they would harass people over it. Not saying that they all did. And yeah, and I'm okay about wanting to bring something back and you sure. know, shows getting uncanceled and stuff. But there's a difference between that and trolling and harassing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd love to see them bring back Firefly. Yeah. Am I making that the central existence of my life? No. Am I trolling and harassing people over it? No. So, and, and I would even get on know, board about like a, a movement to try to promote that idea. Sure. But there's a difference between promoting something and attacking something. Yeah. I'm not going to attack. Yeah. Yeah. If I can encourage them to do it. Great. But it's, yeah. So it's like, not only were a lot of these people negative in the Star Wars fandom, but then they were, they, they, they got what they wanted. And that was something that then kind of ticked me off. I mean, yeah. again, a lot of us wanted it, but we weren't being jerks about it. Right. And so it kind of like the jerks got the pat on the head yeah, it's and the a gold star and said, Hey, here you go. Congratulations. You got what you wanted because you were a jerk. Yeah. And then it's like, I, I hate, I don't like that kind of stuff because it's and, just and it's negative reinforcement. Probably more so than anywhere else. I think that the Snyder cut has been one of the biggest examples of, of that sort of almost revisionist uh, movement. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. they also, not only were they the biggest, they also succeeded. Yeah. And I support the Snyder cut. I don't support the avenue that was taken to get it at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I but agree. I am looking forward to the, the Snyder cut. And I do, to your point earlier, I do believe that they will. Um, in fact, I believe they will easily make their money back. Um, I think that this is going to be a big boon for HBO max. I could be wrong. Oh but, yeah. But I, yeah. I really think that it's going to be like just hands down. Um, and, and I think that the results we saw from the Disney call uh, probably reinforced the fact that, them investing more in, in their streaming service is going to be a good thing. And I think this is going to be a big, big attention getter. I think this is going to get a lot of people sign up. And I think the internet word of mouth, again, pretty vocal group, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very vocal group. Well, I think that once they get what they want, they're going to be vocal about that. And that word of mouth is going to only help people uh, go find HBO max. I think it's going to be good for them. Yeah. If, if not good for society, I, I don't know how to put that. Anyway, the only other thing in the lightning ride we didn't get to was Tim Burton, uh, in talks to reboot the Adams family. Um, I don't, I don't, we, we've had so many, just let it go. So the thing for me with this is that one, it's kind of amazing that Tim Burton hasn't done an Adams family movie because that is totally his yeah, shtick. If anybody's going to do it, I mean, yeah. And the Adams family is not such a sacred property that it can't be touched. So I'm totally fine with them redoing it. And again, to have Tim Burton do it, it just, it, th that makes sense. There's nothing about that. Yeah. That seems to be wrong. Other than so the, the fact other, that I don't think it's needed at all. But if it is to be done, Tim Burton is the guy yeah, without yeah. question, the guy to do yeah. it and get Danny um, Elfman to do the soundtrack. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Burton stuff. I like a lot of his, his work. Uh, and then I'm, I'm also even 
more excited about this because there's a lot of rumor that um, Ava Green and a lot of our listeners know I'm a big fan, huge fan. Uh, she is rumored to uh, actually be cast as Morticia in the movie. And I think she would do very well in that. Okay. So. I, I can't say that she wouldn't. I, I just can say that I wish it weren't being made. <laughs> why? This is probably an Adams family movie that would interest me. I mean, I've seen the other ones and they're, eh. but this is one that would really interest me. I think. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully it's good. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He's in talks, right? That nothing's been confirmed yet. Nothing's been greenlit. Right, right. Uh, I mean, generally, when they do say that someone is in talks to do something, it's then like it's an eighty-five percent surety. Just, yeah, negotiating the money. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Unless you've got anything else yeah. to throw in at the last minute. No, it's all yeah, I've got. We're running a little bit long. Sorry about that. There was a lot of news this week, though. We've had a couple of dry news weeks, and then all of a sudden, wow. News. And, and a couple of big conversation points this week, too. I mean, really, I think yeah. the the entire situation about where is the theater industry going that affects so many of our listeners and us, mm-hmm. obviously, that yeah. I mean, how can you not talk about that? And this is a very big part of that discussion. It's always been Mulan, Tenet. Wonder Woman 84 and James Bond. Mm-hmm. Two of those four have already come out. There are two that are left. And and this is um this is gonna be one that's gonna kind of set set the next mile marker here. So Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to everybody in the chat room. We've got a pretty active chat room tonight. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you, everybody who uh, turned out here for our live stream. If you would like to start doing that, we typically do Echo Basin Random Chatter starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's GMT minus five. And uh, we do it here on YouTube, randomchatter.com slash YouTube. Um, just look for the video there once it starts streaming. Otherwise, uh, you can also join us in Discord or follow us on Twitter and get notifications that way. It's just Random Chatter on Twitter. Go to randomchatter.com slash Discord to join us there. We've got a lot of great conversations going on there. A lot of audience members who are very active, especially right now if you're a Mandalorian fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of stuff there to discuss. So uh, join us there. You can also help support the network through Patreon. We are a nonprofit organization. We don't pocket any of this money. It goes directly into the operating costs of the network. And because it's a nonprofit organization, even if you just donate $1 a month, in fact, that's what most of our donors donate, Mm -hmm. you become a member of the network officially. So um, even that is a huge help. Yeah. It, Listen, it, it, it that's really up, so it, it does. And, you know, we do have costs of running it and it does help defray those. And we really appreciate mm-hmm. it. We're very grateful for everybody who's helped support the network. Um, we've got a lot of great people and we're yeah. really fortunate and blessed for that. So so thank you, everybody. Um, so if you'd like more information on that, randomchatter.com slash Patreon. If you're here on YouTube, be sure to hit the uh, subscribe button down below. If you like the video, click the thumbs up button. And there's also a thing there. You can get notifications of when we go live, which is uh i i think something we would recommend that way you can hop in and, and join the chat Absolutely. even just on your on your cell phone or your ipad or whatever so mm-hmm. we'd love to have you here so that's going to do it for this episode of random chatter stick around for some more episodes in the feed below if you're here on youtube and otherwise we will talk to you again soon take care